Hello, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, and when I'm not writing about all things training, nutrition, running, biking, being outside, uh, I'm hopefully actually outside doing those things. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and an endurance coach. So, who do we have up today? Today we have Danelle Kabush. Who's been on the podcast before. Yes, a return guest. Um, and she is uh, not a sports psychologist, but a mental performance consultant, I think is the technical term. Also has her doctorate, though. Yes. Uh, she's based out of the Canadian Sport Institute out in Victoria, BC. Uh, she's one of the smartest humans that I know. She has just ridiculous amounts of experience, both in working with athletes and in being one. She was a pro ex-terror racer for quite a few years, actually. And gosh, yeah. I remember meeting her at uh, Western Western Champion Xterra Championships in Vegas. I think nine years ago at this point and sitting down and interviewing her then so it's always fun to to chat with her and see where she's she's gone over the years yeah exactly and she's trained with uh terry orlick so for schooling i should say so she was over at university of ottawa working with terry orlick who has a a book that a lot of athletes have it is called the pursuit of excellence um, and it's there's some great resources if you look up terry orlick pursuit of excellence or i think there's also a wheel of excellence that's actually like really good it's a really good like short document um but denal got to train uh under or just go to school under do her master's i think maybe her undergraduate as well um in that system so she has some really good experience there and then also has now been out in victoria uh, and working in with national level athletes olympic caliber athletes in a host of different sports so just a wealth of knowledge and like you say with Xterra also a bunch of different sports that she's done obviously yeah so today we we really kind of niche down and we talk about I'm going to say two major topics the first and kind of overarching thing being body image and athletes um, and the other just being a, a bit about uh, red s as it's called uh, relative energy deficiency syndrome Yes, got it. Yeah, and this is sort of the progression of the female athletic triad. We're sort of including males into this. Mm -hmm. um, and then also sort of recognizing some of the different signs and symptoms. It's not always just uh, amenorrhea. You know, it's it's not always, you know, sort of that triad of symptoms. Yeah, I think for a long time, if people, di if women didn't have amenorrhea, it was just kind of everything is okay. That was like the straw that would break the camel's back in terms of getting diagnosed with something. So it's pretty great to see, you know, okay, we're not just relying on menstruation as being the only indicator that we're actually in trouble here. We're talking about stuff a lot earlier. Well, and I think, you know, a term I use is sort of work capacity and fueling the work required, I guess. Um, and maybe I overuse that, to be honest. We're all sort of learning in this this process and how we're evolving here. Um, but I think the red S gets more to the heart of the issue that, like, in the day you need to fuel that workout. Um, and a lot of times what's happening is the workout isn't being fueled, but then also the body isn't being fueled. So we're losing, especially in the long term, some of those um, you know, essential services that your body does, right? Both for males and females. Mm -hmm. um, so it's trying to sort of think about that, that sort of work capacity and sort of fueling that workout. And, and as we talk about that, isn't necessarily on purpose that the athlete's doing that. A lot of times it could just be education around cooking or, or, you know, sports nutrition in general. Totally. And I mean, I'll say as far as body image goes, we don't just talk about it in context of body image during or after or before red s or like specifically around red s we talk about it you know just for for any athlete so you know you ha you can have body image issues without being in physical trouble yet um, so we definitely talk about that and for the parents listening we talk a ton about how to raise really healthy happy young athletes and you know just some of the ways we can make and sure yeah. and people yeah and just ways we can make sure that you know that body image thing doesn't become an issue yeah we had some questions around that which uh, we appreciate a couple of different people asking sort of different questions around raising young athletes um and since we're not parents we wanted to make sure that we we pulled in someone who knew a little bit more and so denel was perfect because there's a sports psych sort of angle to this um obviously there's some confidence and 
um, you know, different sports psych type topics tied into that, but then also as a parent, um, and then also as a, 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 a very active a female parent. athlete as well. Right. Um, and who's gone up through growing up through that, right. Mm-hmm. As an endurance athlete. So she was, we thought perfect for this episode. Um, I don't know if there's anything else. Do we have anything else on, on Danelle and no, oh, but... her blog. that's what I also want to mention her blog. If you go way back, especially if you're a parent or a, a female athlete, I think, but I think anyone's going to find something there. She, she comes in and out of it, but there was some years there where she was blogging all the time on different, her own experience and sports psychology topics. So if you check out her blog, which we'll link to, um, in the show notes as well, uh, it's definitely a good resource. Yeah. And then actually on this topic, uh, for the parents that are listening that happen to have young girls, we have two things coming up on the horizon and you can head over to shred girls.com to find out about them. We have the actual launch party that's going to be up here near Toronto at Joyride 150 bike park on May 11th. Um, and then we also have a, well, what, tell them a little bit about that. So they get in, women get in for yeah. five. That's all women. Yep. All women get in for five bucks. Uh, you can be any age to come celebrate the launch of Lindsay's Joyride. And I'm super anyone excited. Anyone can come, though. To anyone can come. Yes. Um, you know, it's open to men, so you can bring your whole family. But sorry, uh, women only get the the sweet deal on the park. Right. Um, and then we're gonna have tons of raffles. We're gonna have swag bags. Um, just super fun stuff going on. So I'd love it if you know any and all of you can come join us. Um, yeah. Again. You know, head to shred-girls.com. Uh, that one is slash joyride. And all the details are there. There's a little RSVP. So if you think you can make it, um, please RSVP because we're only going to have enough swag bags for those who RSVP'd. Um, so there's that. And then actually the week after that, we're going to be doing a small camp for young women uh, up here at Highlands. It's sort of a, a learn to train or learn more about training sort of camp. And our age group is what, sort of your teens? Yeah, yeah. So if you're kind of that early teens to late teens, so you know, 13 to 16-ish, although we'd be willing to consider slightly older and slightly younger, um, we're going to be hosting, yeah, a three-day learn to train camp. It's going to be super fun. You're going to meet rad girls, Again, you know, really figure out the ins and outs of training. And I'm sure a lot of the topics that Danelle chats about in this episode are things that we'll kind of be diving into even more at that camp. So I'm really looking forward to that. So again, right. shred-girls.com to find out those details. really any discipline. We're sort of discipline agnostic. We'll mostly be on sort of road, maybe gravelish adventure. We'll see how crazy we With get. With Peter, it's always going to be a gravelish be adventure. at some point. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It'll be good times. And we'll have some guest coaches and stuff as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, so look for details. Uh, Molly's Twitter or mine or yeah, some, all over the somewhere place. in the interwebs. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Enjoy this chat with Danelle. Well, I wonder, this is your second time or third time on the podcast, I guess. Is it second or third? That's a good question. Yeah. Well, so we appreciate you coming back, yeah. but I wonder why don't you even tell us, like, I'm always curious what you're up to and stuff. Where, where are you in the world and sort of just what you've been doing even this last week? Like, who are you working with? Uh, what does that look like? Sure. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe even since we last talked, I've become a bit more full, like I'm four days a week at the Canadian Sport Institute here, uh, Pacific in Victoria. Peter is so jealous and... of this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a fun place to be. Um, and yeah, as far as sports, I'm working mainly with the men and women's and para rowing teams that are based here, the national teams. And then, uh, triathlon is another one of my sports, which includes para as well. And a development next gen group that's out here training, uh, and athletics. They have a West hub team. It's called so it's more of a middle distance group. And yeah, I think that's it. I feel like I'm missing someone. But yeah, that that takes most of my time as far as one-on-one work with athletes and coaches. And I get to go out and train with them and then, um, you know, admin stuff around that. And even here we have um, what we call a mind room, which is nice, which I'm in right now, which we have a lot more space to meet with athletes, which is great. And a new thing we're getting into is bio-neurofeedback training. So that's kind of exciting to help athletes kind of um, you know, in our world, athletes like instant feedback and numbers. So it's kind of a way to buy into mental training a little bit and see. So basically, we hook them up to um, EEG for brain waves, 
muscle tension, heart rate, heart rate variability, skin conductance, breathing rate. So they can kind of see if they're able to calm their whole parasympathetic system down on demand. Um, so like working with arousal level and also focus training. So yeah, we're just getting into that. So that's the kind of in a nutshell what I've been up to. That most is so recently. cool. <laughs> yeah, like, our, our, is yeah. it is it very, like, do you see that? Like, the HRV sort of would start increasing if someone's able to relax? Or what, what would you see in sort of a typical session? Yeah, well, basically, like, all these modalities, um, we know that they go up or down with stress or when you're not so stressed. But the main thing, obviously, we work on controlling is the breathing. So I think research shows that about six, breath per minute um, can kind of get you into that relaxed state. And once you get breathing well, yeah, the heart rate variability is kind of like in the same curve with your breathing. So it's kind of neat to see on the screen and you can watch it in real time. And then a good thing with when you're working with athletes, you can see if there's blips um, with muscle tension goes up or even with the brain waves, and then you can touch in and say, well, what were you thinking at that point? And so you can kind of see the connection between what they're focusing on in their mind or how their body might tense when they get too far ahead of themselves or start thinking about something that gets them a little bit more stressed. So, oh, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. It's neat. Awesome. And what about you? What have you been up to as far as your athletics go? <laughs> well, I've just been more of the recreational mode after, as you know, like being a racing for so many years, I guess it's been a couple of years. I've just been uh, training for fun and, mountain bike more of a weekend warrior as far as mountain biking I still swim with my master's swim group and um funny enough a friend got me into CrossFit of all things in the fall so <laughs> I've always wanted to uh do more strength training and it's it's been really fun to uh to get into that so that's kind of a new <laughs> a new challenge that's awesome. uh, and then also I've uh as far as activities go for I've joined an adult hip hop beginner class. So oh my gosh. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> and it's a, both of these are like brain body challenges, right? So for the endurance a, athlete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. It's not just moving straight ahead, right? It's like lots of side to side and coordinated movements in both, both of those. So that's uh, been a fun new challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so much fun. Uh, yeah, I'm so jealous of that now. Have you done much dancing in your, like, post-race type stuff? Like, have you ever been into that at all? Other than, like, going out to the club and dancing um, for fun, I've, I've never did any formal training. So right. this is kind of fun where you have to follow a beat and the whole group's together and, you know, the eight count kind of thing. So yeah, But it's fun. Yeah, everyone's about the same level. And then it's kind of neat when everyone gets coordinated on the same the same move it's fun <laughs> yeah i always find that those like they're you're definitely you you said it i think um there's like a brain challenge there in the coordination but there's also a bit of the like just even the ego i think right um at least oh, I, yeah. I find that at least but um yeah and it's good like you say everyone's there and everyone who's there is doing it. it's like you're performing or anything right yeah yeah you have to be okay with just like finding your own um your own style, I guess, and being okay with failing and mm-hmm. and trying again. And and if you if you lose the steps, you know, just kind of pick up wherever you can. So, yeah, definitely a challenge that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. Well, I think that's a good segue, though. Too into yeah. today, we wanted to talk to you a bit about sort of. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a it's a large topic. It's a huge topic. Um, yeah. But sort of, I guess body imaging or body image body image <laughs> no, yeah, and, and, and how that relates to sort of athletics how that rep- uh, sort of relates to growing up and then also parenting someone who is growing up um mm-hmm. in endurance sport it's it's a large topic just because of the importance or perceived importance of body weight and performance um but right. we also just in i guess today's age the social media era you know, everyone's sort yeah. of seeing this this perfect sort of model. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's very hard, I think, for gr- people growing up, right? There's a lot of comparison. Yeah, like, yeah, the media is a big one. I can't imagine growing up right now with, uh, you know, all the social media to add mm-hmm. extra pressure to the idealized body yeah. that young 
boys and girls are subject to. And Mm -hmm. I guess, why don't we start, like, you've been now in, you know, sports psychology and counseling for uh, a bunch of years. I I don't know if you want to put a Mm -hmm. number on that or not, but, um, you know, (laughs) you've seen sort of, I I think, even the pre or early social media sort of era and then, like, over the last Mm -hmm. 10 plus years. Um, like, have you seen an, an increase, do you think, in the the amount of sort of just body image, you know, self-confidence, that sort of stuff? Is that more common or is that sort of our perception even? That's a good question. I don't know if I could put numbers on that. Um, yeah. I just know what I know from my own practice. But I've just seen the the increase in pressure, I guess, as a professional or even amateur athlete trying to make it that um, it's not, you know, when social media first came about or before that era you might have had just a website or you know um, a resume that you'd send in to get on a team or sponsorship or results but now it's above and beyond that where you might might still have a blog a website an Instagram page a, a Twitter uh, Snapchat all these things that you have to kind of keep up and and it's all about image and presenting yourself so and then you know there's that extra pressure with athletes you know, it's that big comparison culture, which so it just adds to that pressure of am I meeting this ideal and projecting the image that's going to make me successful. And sometimes that can take away just from the actual intrinsic enjoyment of your pursuing your sport. So it's a fine, a fine balance, I think, that some athletes struggle with. Certain sports, it's even a bigger deal. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I remember, you know, when I was a teenager, having plenty of issues when all that I had access to was like the occasional, you know, Girls Life or Seventeen magazine in the mail. But now everyone yeah. has like a phone attached where it's new content every single day of like things to compare themselves to. That's right. Yeah. And so it's refreshing when you do see things like Shred Girls or things that are just promoting uh, a healthy body image. So you can still use that same medium to send positive messages and empowering messages, which I, I, I love seeing that stuff too. So I guess it depends what, what you focus on and what you follow as well. So. Mm-hmm. And it's tough, yeah. right? Like sometimes to me, you know, as, as, I guess from a coaching perspective, um, you know, I look and I'm like, well, you know, there's a lot of things on the day-to-day training front that we could do better, even this other stuff aside, mm-hmm. right? But it's, it's not that simple. You can't just say go and train and you know, come back in three months and you'll be faster. And then all this like resume and confidence and mm-hmm. stuff should take care of itself, right? Like it doesn't exist in a vacuum as much as I'd love it to. But is that the, the process? You know, you, if you had someone who's struggling with, you know, they're overwhelmed by the, again, sort of confidence and sort of how they're looking or how, how much they weigh. Um, but mm-hmm. the ultimate goal is, you know, they're, they're supposed to be racing quickly, right? Like it, right the other stuff doesn't really matter if they're not racing quickly. Mm-hmm. The other stuff meaning like the, well, the image and the, yeah. And yeah I mean, it, it's yeah. tough. Cause I say that, but it does matter. It matters for the person mm-hmm. for sure. Right. Like you need to feel good about yourself. That's sort of the base that we need to start from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was at a, like a talk here we did not too long ago. And even from a coaching perspective, as you know, it is one piece of the performance pie, but I, I was thinking this is a, even with you, Peter, depending on the developmental age of the athlete, like it's not till the elite elite level that, you know, even focusing on weight changes or, you know, nutrition's a part of it all along, but like, it's not, um, there's kind of consensus that it's not till you're at the top of your sport that maybe that's the one thing you can manipulate a little bit for that next edge. If you're very well monitored and have a big team around you, that's following you. Uh, to make sure it's done healthily and just at select times a year because, the, you know, when athletes try and do it on their own, it's often when they get into trouble or go down um, an unhealthy relationship with their food and weight and end up maybe putting way too much, sorry for lack of a pun, weight on that that piece of the pie. And if all those other things aren't taken care of before that, you know, just enjoying the sport, having a healthy lifestyle balance and um, just a good relationship with food in general, then you know, putting, yeah, it can be a negative maybe as, as a coach to put too much emphasis on that too early. Yeah. But yeah. It, and you do yeah. see that. And that's, that's a shame. Um, you know, and, and then I, I'm mm-hmm. trying, I'm trying to pull it back to the, you know, the process and, you know, we, we could be progressing the wattage and the volume and the, you know, all these things, you know, the endurance base, like you say, the good sort of healthy meals and sleep. Um, 
you know, mm-hmm. these, these are the things that we start with, right? And then in eight years, hopefully you're, you're pretty quick. Um, yeah. I always reference Dean Golich was on the podcast and he coached uh, or may still coach Katerina and lots of very successful females. And we asked him this, and this was a few years mm-hmm. ago, sort of just what do you do with power to weight and this sort of stuff. And his answer was essentially, I don't want to misquote him, but essentially it was, you know, you, you train like a cyclist, you know, you eat good, healthy foods keep training like a cyclist and eventually you'll look like a cyclist. Um, Mm. And he said like, certainly it can get more like you at the peak, you know, there's going to be some more manipulation and some people in there taking measurements and stuff, but that's, you know, for that Olympic, you know, year type thing. Right. Yeah. Um, And that, that was his, you know, and he's had great success. So I always sort of just hold on to that. But then does that give, you know, the 14, the 16 year old athlete, you know, do they care what Dean Gulledge thinks? They should. Yeah, exactly. Side note, I like that we use Katarina like Madonna or like Cher. It's just one one name. Well, I mean, Danelle knows Katarina. (laughs) Exactly. It's a a good one who I think has a very positive uh, relationship with her coach. And yeah, uh, like I think athletes like her that are in the sport that long with a healthy relationship to it are, are proof that they're probably coming from a pretty healthy place and you know, mm-hmm. she's an example, probably someone who hasn't even been injured, really, that I can think of. So she yeah. must be doing a few things right as far as that whole balance. But yeah, it's great to hear when coaches have that focus. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and you're right, the coach can have a lot of influence on that by the messages they send and what they promote and focus on. So yeah. But is that sort of then where, you know, if you did have someone struggling, is that like, is it bringing it back to process or like, what is the, when, some, when these questions are coming up, um, I'm trying to think of examples, but like things about like, am I, am I getting too heavy? Am I overweight? Or I'm not as thin as that person who's winning. Um, so if a young mm-hmm. woman comes in with that like question, I mean, the, the guys do it too, right? Like I think true. we're in true. an age yeah. where like yep. it might even be worse with guys, right? Like it's just hard to say. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's why this whole topic, it used to be called when we're speaking of reds, relative energy deficiency syndrome, it used to be called female athlete triad, but mm-hmm. that's part of the reason the name changed to include men because it can be just as relevant right. for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess it is like, like you were just referring to with that coach, when those questions come in, it might just be getting back to the process and the the healthy lifestyle and not making it all about the number on the scale, but just, you know, looking at the quality of the food you're eating and all those like daily habits around recovery, like timing of when you eat right after, and they're all focused around feeling good and feeling strong and not how you look, but how you, I guess, just helping them bring it more internal again. Cause sometimes those thoughts come up when it's a lot, they're comparing to others or they're looking at just the, the image and the, the scale versus how strong am I feeling? How well am I recovering? How are my numbers? Like as far as training numbers looking. So. Yeah. And I've seen that like uh, the yeah. around the workout sometimes is the sort of like the, the wedge you can drive in there. If you are, you know, someone you're dealing with someone who's not eating enough. Um, is that with the mm-hmm. red S stuff? Is that, I think I've seen that. No, that the, around the workout sometimes is the place where you can sort of drive a wedge in to say, oh, are you feeling better when you ate? And like, yeah, yeah, the yeah. workout went really well. Okay, good, good. So, you, you know, you fueled. Um, and then sometimes that can help with getting the energy and take out. Yeah, exactly. And I think you speak to the fact that sometimes, um, it can start to go that way just because of um, not ignorance, but just not knowing how much you need to fuel mm-hmm. to compensate for the energy you've used. And so sometimes it's just an education. Like sometimes it's not done from a place that I need to lose weight. It's just like not being, not knowing. So that's a good educational piece for a coach to focus, focus on. And then, you know, the next, the next level that athletes go to is sort of like following mismanaging their efforts with with energy needs and food just by you know there's so many fad diets out there in the media as well that they think they know an athlete another athlete that's following some crazy diet so they kind of like try those things on their own and it doesn't really work out and then I guess the next level would if they go into a clinical like obsession with their their eating where it can get pretty dangerous so as a coach it's just kind of looking for those behaviors and trying to intervene in a healthy way 
I feel like 2018 was really rough for, like, the fad dieting situation. Just yeah. as far as, like, fad diets that were in the, the media, especially, like, the athletic media, I'm going to say. And I'll throw myself under the bus here, too, when I say yeah. that. Like, intermittent fasting, yeah. the ketogenic stuff. Like, it all kind of came up in 2018, and I think a lot of people struggled with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you noticed that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just and especially yeah. combining the two of those things while trying to train at a, a high level, especially like mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. I'd say like the amateur elite, maybe. So like the, the back of the elite pack, I think is particularly susceptible to to that kind of stuff. Right, right. It's kind of looking for the next edge. And, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not really doing the research (laughs) yeah well and it gets back to that right like no one wants the you know i saw something recently it was like everyone's fighting for like the the marginal gains the like one percent but forgetting about the like 99 percent. i told you that swain tough oh yeah swain so another yeah yeah. Yeah. (laughs) and he that was basically his opinion that like people just don't do like endurance training like we know if you just you know essentially ride a bunch and you know go to sleep every night yeah Um, Yeah, you know, but we're all trying to get 1% gain off of a ketogenic diet that's completely disruptive. And when when we're at like 50% (laughs) or not even. Yeah, Yeah. 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 that's a huge good reminder for most athletes, you know, Mm -hmm. as you're developing, like, I think the motto with athletics here is developing happy, healthy athletes. And like, if you can just stay injury free, get the training in, sleep well, and eat reasonably well, you're, like you said, you're 90, maybe 95, 99% there. So, uh, and if you can cover all that consistently, then these other things are very small pieces of pie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I wonder if maybe we just, you know, we're, yeah. Could you like define red S and sort of give us a little bit of a, a sort of, I guess, definition? And Yeah. Cause I think everyone knows the like old school female athlete triad, but everyone's still kind of a little bit confused on what the heck red S is. That's a good question. Um... <laughs> Sounds kind of like communism is taking over the like athletic community or something. Yeah. Or a new supplement. Yeah. 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 Try red S. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just see the drug commercial. Yeah. Side so effects yeah. include red X. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it's pretty simple. Like, uh, you know, relative energy deficiency in the title is basically you're not consuming enough that that you need, and then you know you things your immune system starts to get affected. You start to lose muscle strength. Um, glycogen stores and basically performance will start to go down and um, if it gets you know in females sometimes the physiological or physical symptoms are you lose your menstrual cycle your bone health can be affected and your hormones so it's when it's like you're not taking in enough to compensate for the energy you need to let alone train but also recover and I guess a lot of these things are tested with hormones and physically but you can also see it uh, sometimes psychologically with behaviors and you know that's where from my end of thing it's around the thinking and the beliefs around food um, and kind of keeping those areas healthy Um, right and it can be and so some of these symptoms can manifest quickly but some take a while to sort of develop and you know certainly can be um, I guess not discussed, you know, until it's become an even bigger issue, right? Like you could have a 20 year old athlete who's mm-hmm. developed some of this, um, you know, and even has good results for a few years. Right. And then you see right. sort of things hitting a, a hard stop at some point. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes when athletes, even if it's by unhealthy means, lose weight quite quickly, and then they're often rewarded with sometimes faster results because of that power weight ratio if we're talking about cycling or even running Uh, and then sometimes it kind of reinforces some of those negative habits unfortunately so it's it's uh, when hopefully when athletes have a good team around them as parents or teammates or coaches that can sort of intervene and notice when it becomes an unhealthy behavior and that's a tricky thing to do um Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have any like tips, I guess, for parents or coaches as far as what are sort of some of the earlier warning signs? Um, Yeah, I guess it's like if you see any changes in behavior, I guess I'm using my own experience having been on many teams 
running growing up is, you know, there's a big change in eating behaviors. I guess parents might notice this more sort of eating on their own or refusing to eat with people or eating in, in secret is, is one of the, the things or just a, a real focus on food and weighing. Um, I guess, yeah, it's harder sometimes to see the obvious, like if, oh, you're looking really thin, isn't always a great comment because that can sometimes reinforce that behavior. But mm-hmm. um, so just looking for, you know, changes in mood and and recovery and all those things and just being aware of them. But it's also maybe focusing on what you're modeling as a parent or a coach. So checking your own beliefs, your own language around food and body size and shape um, can go a long way. So what you're modeling to your athletes. Um, but yeah, as far as the signs, I think it's just asking good questions. And then if you need to refer, finding someone the athlete can talk to, like a good nutritionist or or psychologist, if it comes to that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I answered your question there. But, no, that's great. Yeah. I think that's that makes sense, right? And I think even decreased work capacity would be maybe another thing that a coach might see. Um, right, right. Yeah. And then that's something like, uh, at least initially, someone like yourself would probably have conversations like this with people or is at some point that's beyond what you do or like if a young athlete. Would... Um, yeah, I think um, it would, if it's like, you know, going into the eating disorder spectrum, I would probably refer, but there is still a lot of conversations around beliefs around yeah. food or um, that what's, you know, just even exploring as a coach, what's your relationship with food can, can go a long way and, a lot of it with the young developing athletes is just good education. So a lot, I think a lot of sometimes when athletes struggle is just ignorance or because like we said, there's so many diets out there in the media and sometimes just correcting, correcting or not correcting, but informing them a little bit more about healthy, healthy habits can be a pretty empowering thing. And even, um, you know, promoting positive body related talk. You know, I think even my own mom, I think about this more now that, Growing up, I feel pretty lucky because she never once put down her body in front of me. And I'm like, oh, isn't that something? Because it's so common. It's almost like a societal thing for women and girls to Mm -hmm. not only comment on others' bodies, but like to put themselves down. Um, So even, you know, as coaches or parents or teammates watching our language to not even comment on it can go a long way. Um, yeah. <laughs> I no, digress from your question again. No, that's, yeah. that's I think really that's, important. I think that's exactly like, I mean, yeah. I think sometimes as, as parents or coaches, we think that we have to tell, right? But there's so much in that modeling just good behavior, right? And mm-hmm. I've always thought of mm-hmm. that, you know, as I coach more and more and and am training or, you know, being competitive as much, like I still... I think it's almost more valuable that I keep training and, you know, doing what I say is important, right? Um, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. there's not special rules. And in the same way, the nutrition or the, like you say, talking about people who are overweight or, um, you know, or, or someone who, yeah. you know, got skinny in one or something, right? Like it's it's stuff that used to be yeah. more common and hopefully is less common now that we're talking in that way. Yeah, yeah, Exactly. Um, but I think that's a great, I just want to say you're also your mom. That's a perfect example, right? Is that's the stuff that we can, you know, you as a a parent can definitely, you know, model that behavior. Right. And that's often what what the kids, then what we learn. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true that even, uh, like as, as we're socialized, often girls and women, not just in sport, but are often, praised more for looks versus abilities and like their effort and things they're good at that aren't related to how they look. So it's important to kind of be conscious of that and go away from that. And it can go yeah, a long way to empowering that sort of growth mindset that you work at things and it's what, how you feel on the inside about your efforts. It's important. So coaches can definitely do that as well. I thought one thing that was related to that, um, that actually one of my clients has younger, uh, kids growing up as well um and they were saying um i guess it is it shanny flanagan is that the name i'm looking Shailene. for flanagan has yeah. like a cookbook and so they got 
uh, the kids into that and uh, like the kids are sort of preparing food and stuff and, you know, sort of getting the kids involved in the food preparation and sort of liking cooking and learning cooking and preparing food for other people. Um, uh-huh. I thought that that was even something that, you know, food sort of now, A, they know how to cook, which I think is a barrier for a lot of athletes, yeah. whether there's yeah. red S or not. I think there's just a lot of, I'm always amazed that like the microwaving a sweet potato and frying an egg is like mystifying to people, but Right, especially on the road, right? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think that's like a really good way to keep that open, hopefully. And, you know, that may come and go sort of as, as kids go through puberty and, and all this stuff. But I think if you have that there, like that's a good way to sort of a, get some help in the kitchen. Um, but then also sort of just get some of those skills and appreciation for food preparation maybe in, yeah. in into young adults. Exactly, yeah. That's a really good point. So, um, so I'm thinking, so, you know, someone's coming out of red S, would you say coming out of red S cured healing, mm-hmm. healing? Yeah. We'll, we'll go with healing, overcoming. overcoming. Yeah. So someone's overcoming yeah. it. I feel like that part would be really rife with body image issues, right? Like you're, you're now trying to, you know, get healthier, which is often going to mean gaining back some weight. So how yeah. do you, how do you yeah. navigate that as an athlete? Cause I have to imagine that's probably like the most difficult part of coming out of red S is the mental side of it versus the physical one. Yeah. And it's really like keeping that focus on long-term health. Cause you're right. Um, often sometimes you have to gain even more weight than you had previously to get your hormones back up to where they should be to get your, for women to get your menstruation cycle back. So it can be, it can be a long process uh, and almost feeling like, yeah, feeling like you're, because a lot of, I guess when red S does get serious, it can be a means of control for the athlete. And um, sometimes it's more emotional than, than performance based at that side, side Mm -hmm. of things. So coming out of it is like, definitely letting go of restricting and eating for health and really keeping that focus on eating for long-term health and not performance. Um, mm-hmm. so that's a real, real change in, in mindset. I mean, the, they should both go together obviously, but uh, until everything's stable again, it's uh, that would be the focus. And yeah, it is definitely challenging for athletes to keep, to keep changing that. And uh, a lot of it is, you know, when they g- get into that state, it's like, those feelings of not being enough and you know and athletes I think a lot of sometimes this comes from perfectionist mindset which can have a lot of positive qualities for athletes like wanting to take care of every single detail and do everything perfect Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's what gets some of our best athletes to the top but it can also have a a dark side if it's too restricting and controlling and can lead to these unhealthy body image or eating habits and so dealing with that sort of perfectionist thinking mm-hmm. can be a challenge I think coming out of red S as well to be I'm okay I'm not a failure for for eating more or taking care of my health and mm-hmm. not looking what what they think they should look like so yeah and I think yeah. uh, I think Mariana Voss actually wrote that in her autobiography which is only available in Dutch which is sort of a bummer oh. because I love to read it and oh, do not read Dutch yeah. but she she talked a bunch about kind of coming out of an eating disorder and, you know, what that looks like as, you know, an athlete who's won a lot of world championships with that. Mm. So oh, yeah, interesting. it's really hard when you're, you're having the good results in that place, but you know, it's not ultimately like sustainable. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think for women, I'm going to say for women, I think it's harder because not only, like, not only do we have the performance side, we also just have the, you know, women's body image standards from like normal media hitting us too right so regaining weight is like going both against performance and you know societally it's like oh you lost weight you look great no one's like you gained very few people are like oh you you've gained a lot of weight and you look great or no one wants to hear that that's right yeah yeah and it's true even as women athletes i think there's more emphasis on appearance so Mm -hmm. uh, it's a lot more pressure it's uh and men can you know, results can speak a little more for their, their yeah. media stuff. So yeah, absolutely. It's that way. Yeah. 
And it strikes me too that the other thing maybe working against females is, you know, you're everything. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I'm not saying that, um, you know, you're as, as women grow up, so you come through puberty, right? Like there's going to be a a weight gain. And I guess that's true for men too, right? Like you can be a super skinny cadet racer or something, you Mm -hmm. know, 14, 15, and you're winning everything. And then all of a sudden you hit puberty and your body changes uh, for either sex, right. right? And that can be something. And you can certainly lots of people, you know, train away and they have a couple of years and then away they go and they're fine. Um, yeah. Right. And then I think as we get older too, there's just a reality that, you know, there's going to be some decreases or increases in, in body weight as well as we go through, even if we re- remain quite healthy, right? Like that's sort of that's right. the natural way things go. So only looking at weight, I think sometimes is, is restricting, right? Like there could still be great performance, great feeling, um, you know, mm-hmm. but, but sometimes it's just like that one, one number on a scale, um, gets missed. Yeah. Right? And I wonder if sometimes that's what's missing too, is just that, that, that number is not even necessarily a number that needs to be tracked for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I was working with an athlete not too long ago, um, in a group and the coach is going to start weighing them. And for her, you know, with some background struggle, like Mm -hmm. that was really hard. She didn't want to be weighed. She didn't want to see it. And um, knowing for her, it wasn't a healthy thing to do. So it was, yeah, coming around strategies. Like if it has to be part of the, like, I think, yeah, one, number one, encouraging coaches, not even to weigh people in. There's other ways to kind of track health that way. And, um, yeah, focusing too much. And you're right. So men, as men grow, or boys grow into men, sometimes if we're looking at cycling in these power to weight ratios, the same kind of, you know, they can gain more muscle than they actually want if we're looking at body image for cycling or, or women. But um, yeah, and I think I just, it brought to mind what you're saying there is the self-compassion aspect of body image and just accepting their body the way it is. Because sometimes that that mental struggle is just always wishing you were whatever your ideal is in your mind, striving to be that instead of just accepting who you are and what your potential is within your body, I think is kind of a way that a coach can focus that or um, yeah. And just avoiding that number. Cause sometimes it can be the one thing that people put all their, their confidence in or their self-esteem in where there's so many other, like I deal with confidence issues a lot. And so it's kind of like looking at all the things that you get your confidence from. And sometimes the body image issues come up when it's all focused on numbers, not just on a scale, but like race result numbers or performance numbers. And so that can go really up and down. There are just so many, there are so many numbers that we could get kind of obsessed with. So it's like, I don't, I don't feel like, all of those numbers are ever going to be like all like high at the same. You're never going to be happy if all you're focused on is, you know, all of these different numbers, because one of them is not going to be what you wanted it to be. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Very hard to get all the stars to align there. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like instant feedback, which, which we all love. But at the same time, if you put all your, all your confidence and self-esteem into those numbers. It's uh, the tricky place to be. And that's even when we're speaking of social media, but like I'm digressing a bit, but even with training numbers, right? Like we're t- <laughs> when I first started was maybe when I got into the mountain biking, maybe I had heart rate and maybe power if I did a test. Right. But now there's so many other numbers. That yeah. You and can you can post them all for everyone to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that social media aspect of it too. So, and then you're comparing training things instead of thinking, okay, going internal and saying, how did that feel inside? So that's mm-hmm. just as important yeah. For, yeah. for training or body image. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on the topic of social media, here's kind of a really tricky one. So a lot of the like top performers in, you know, say, let's, you know, say cycling pretty much across the board, you know, the top performers are, you know, generally in that like quite slim territory. So as, Mm -hmm. as like a mother or as a coach, I guess, like, or or father, how do you talk to like a young woman who's seeing, okay, the girls that win all look like this. I don't look like this. How do you, how do you get through that? Because like they're great role models, (laughs) but at the same time are kind of giving, you know, this like body image issue 
That is a really hard question. I don't know if I can fully answer that either. <laughs> but yeah, because on the on the one side, you know, that is like if we're looking at, um, you know, cycling, it seems like it has a bit more range, but I'm thinking of running and it's oh, yeah. very, you know, you look at the top marathoners, like it's pretty cut and dry. Like there's a certain range of body weight, power well, weight ratio that was that makes one it elite, runner so. that was doing New York where like the New York times did a big article where she, it's like, she doesn't have like a normal running body type. And I think she had like 9% oh. body fat or something like instead of six, oh, my goodness. like it was yeah, kind of ludicrous. Yeah. And running's so, definitely yeah, tough because the there's definitely like a, a, you know, like there's a, a body size, right. That not even weight, right. Like there's just, you don't, so it's at the elite level, there's a certain range, right? And it's, it's pretty yeah. nice. And that's tough, right? Like when you have a young mm-hmm. person. Yeah. And I guess it's just not, you know, that is a fact and we all know it, but focusing on that as a young person, it's not really going to be helpful. Um, and, and I mean, that's and, existed, and also, right? Yeah. Like there's What's like, I, I was never going to play in the NBA just, just statistically, yeah. right? It's, or the NHL yeah. for that. Yes. Matter. But did your parents ever tell you, you couldn't be a basketball player? Um, I mean, I never really went down that road, but I mean, and, and you can, there's examples, like you can look at people who are smaller, I guess. Right. And just practice harder. But I mean, your father still yeah. thinks you could make it in like the NBA, like playing baseball <laughs> professionally, so I was yeah. I was pretty good. Baseball was probably the sport you, I could have made. You it. came from a very confidence boosting <laughs> background there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, and I don't know if that's like that's part of you know when kids are younger, making sure that there is sort of you know it's you know sampling of sports and stuff, right? And they find what they like, and yeah, ultimately it's not yeah. just about becoming elite, right? That tends to be what we talk about a lot is that high performance. That's right. Um, yeah yeah the, the reality is in, in whatever sport no matter what your body type you know the chances of getting to that pointy end of the stick are pretty pretty low yeah and you've made a good point that you don't want to squash anyone's dreams and there are lots of exceptions to this this rule there's always those athletes that make it that aren't in that you know general range but yeah like what is the point of telling that even a 15 year old you're never going to make it because you're not this body type like there's just that's not even it's just so far from where they're at at the moment um so it's always like i always think it's like what's the optimal challenge for where someone's at motivational wise developmentally um their goals if they're not even thinking of that elite level yet like Mm -hmm. i mean it's all about it's all about having fun and and lifestyle and health and and if performance becomes a focus down the line then uh the athlete will get there if all those other things are in place. Well, and I think too, like if we're just talking about marathon running for sure. Right. But if you widen that out to ultra or sprinting or, um, you know, just adventure running, right. Like you, we would see that body type open up hugely. Um, you know, and people who do that lifelong and even now with social media, I guess the only upside at the moment is that you can be like an adventuring sort of like fun, whatever, and, and do and you could make a career out of that. Right. That's Um, right. Yeah. Okay, so I have I have one more kind of parent-oriented question, and this is one that I, I kind of struggle with and I can't think of, like, a good answer for, but we'll see. Um, I mean, at uh-huh. some point, like, child, you know, unfortunately, childhood obesity is on the rise, and, you know, at some point, mm. if someone is struggling with both body image but then also, like, medically needs to drop weight, I mean, you know, I've known people who are super active but, like, medically you know, still needed to lose weight. How do you, how do you balance that as a parent trying to encourage healthy living and, you know, getting to this like healthy point while not hurting body image? You know, nice mm-hmm. light question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what, I think what, one of the things you correct me if I'm wrong, you just mentioned there that sometimes someone's very active, but mm-hmm. they still need to lose some weight. And that just goes to show that, you can never judge a book by its cover, right? Like sometimes one of my training partners when I was cycling back in Canmore was a super active, super fit guy. And he was actually quite overweight, but like he could hold a conversation like anyone else. And so, you know, I don't know all the issues behind the weight, but I know he was probably a lot healthier than some thin people you might see walking down the street that were probably 
technically obese because they had no muscle on them. You know, there's that stat that sometimes like supermodels can be technically obese because they're 30% body fat because <laughs> they have no muscle left. Um, so, you know, and I, and I even had a, at a counseling group, a guy came and talk, spoke on obesity and he had some things growing up where something happened with his hormones and he's, you know, heavy, overweight, technically obese, but he only eats something like 1500 calories a day. And that's just the way his body works. And it just mm-hmm. made me think you can never judge someone mm-hmm. um, by how they look on how fit and healthy they might still be on the inside. And I think that's the message too, that you can still be carrying a little extra weight, but be quite, have a quite healthy heart and be active. So it's more like if the, if the kids are active, hopefully that, um, and still need to medically lose weight, that focusing on the activity and finding something they enjoy will be, that could be a natural byproduct mm-hmm. of that. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, I think you're, you're exactly right. The, like, you know, it's not always that if someone doesn't, yeah, doesn't look like the the pros or elite amateurs or whatever, they can still be perfectly healthy and like good at the sport. It's right. Yeah, might not be you know going pro anytime soon, but hey, none none yeah. of us are, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, you might still have the amazing core and like six pack abs, but they just don't show the way other people do, and that's mm-hmm. just your body, and that it's important that you are strong and. Some mm-hmm. people focus so much on like getting that beach body or whatever, but <laughs> yeah. Well, and from a, a parenting perspective too, like there's, there is the chance that like some people do react differently to the same environment is sort of what we're talking about, right? So it's the same foods, and yeah. same activity, but then, you know, one person is, is weighs more. Um, yeah. Right. And so I think sometimes it's, you'll see in some of those houses, like it's okay, one person has to go on a diet, but everyone else gets to eat poorly still, right? Um, right. And I think that gets back to that, you know, eating as a family, you know, making sure the phones aren't out and then eating, you know, everyone helping with food preparation and good foods in the house. Um, yeah. Sometimes that, that is missing um, as much as mm-hmm. there is individual differences for sure, then that might be a thing where everyone could be healthy, you know, no matter what they look like. Like you say, like the skinnier people, could be more unhealthy, right? Yeah, yeah. Some skinny people just eat Diet Coke and cookies all day, and is that healthy? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. And you're right. It's a big. It's a lot of lifestyle thing, like choosing to be active as a family, eating well together. Um, and it's yeah, if one person singled out, that can be very difficult because we're social animals and we're very influenced by our environment. And as parents, it's the food you bring into the house, the activities we choose to do as a family, which can sort of set those habits, habits for life down the road. So yeah, there's a lot of elements mm-hmm. <laughs> coming to this that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, Anything else, Peter? I feel like, I feel like that covered pretty much all of the, the questions we, we wanted to touch on from Red S to how to actually deal with it on more of the mental side yeah i think it's nebulous but i think yeah <laughs> having, having done it here um both from the sport uh, psychology side of things and then also as a, a parent as well uh was quite helpful yeah we keep trying to figure out a way to answer the questions and we keep coming back to well we're not parents so we can really <laughs> only speculate on this <laughs> well you've got some pretty good ideas yeah <laughs> Well, I think it might even be easier to speculate on it when you're not parents and you're not actually thinking about it in the context of your your own child. It's easier to have like a bit of an objective stance on it, maybe. Yeah, well, even thinking about it is a big step ahead of most people and mm-hmm. coaches. You experience that or your wealth of knowledge with all the people you both talk to, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. And it's been really cool working with more and more young people, I think, and just seeing I coached even cross country running this season at the local high school here. And it was really interesting even getting, you know, a totally different sport and those high schoolers kind of different issues that they're dealing with, too. Yeah. Did you notice anything around body image? Or what was your I think the biggest to that age? The biggest thing I noticed? Well, 
to be totally honest, I, you know, I saw a couple people leave after the first couple of practices and I, I would venture a guess that it was because they didn't feel like they fit in body image wise, um, which I was super upset about. And like, sadly, I don't work at the school, so I couldn't really chase them down um, and, Yeah. and do anything about it. But it did make me start thinking about, you know, how to make sure a sport that's supposed to be super inclusive, like cross country stays super inclusive. Right, Um, so right. that was interesting. The other thing that I noticed, and it made me start a series of articles on the Shred Girl site, was the lack of nutrition information that they had, it seemed like. Mm hmm Um, both like from, you know, general stuff like skipping lunch before practice and things like that. But then also, you know, the stuff that they did know was all stuff they were reading in like women's health or like oxygen or whatever, Oh, you know, fitness magazines. yeah. And that stuff isn't for 14 year olds. That stuff is... Right. barely for grown-ass women so Well, and it was sort of exactly at the center of this, the red-ass stuff, right, where it's not necessarily even that the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the calories may even be sufficient over the, like, week or the day, but it's, like, nothing yeah ahead of, like, the whole day before this cross-country workout. Cross-country workout obviously doesn't go overly well. And then like a bunch of like crappy food in the evening. Um, right and, and that's, I think, what Molly was seeing a bunch yeah of like, you know, the, the workout or the race went quite poorly. And then like bur Yeah. burger fries and a shake or something, you know, later in the day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I thought that Yeah, was and all that's that was all just like, oh, right. It's not because they're not trying to do stuff right. They're trying to do nutrition the Yeah. to the best of their kind of abilities, but they just don't know what to be doing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably the heart of this at that age is just education and a lot of it is just not doing you're right, doing the best they can with the knowledge they have and a lot of parents don't have a lot of knowledge on this either and I remember it wasn't until I became uh, even though I grew up in a pretty very healthy like make meals from scratch family it wasn't until I read my first book on sport nutrition as a cyclist that I was like I felt so empowered like all of a sudden I had all this knowledge it was just like basic stuff like drinking this much water per day can you know if you're dehydrated by 10 percent your your performance will suffer this much more so it was just like And getting a certain amount of protein. It was just basic stuff that I remember like, oh, wow, I had all this like great knowledge, like to help my performance. So I was really excited about it. So Mm hmm yeah, it can just be like little tidbits. Like, did you know if you eat within 15, 30 minutes after training, you'll recover this much better for the next day. And that kind of gets them mm yeah excited exactly about the, and it's funny because yeah. you don't you don't rem you almost don't remember not knowing that stuff right like of That's course right. I need Yeah. to eat protein obviously and then I'm like wait when did I learn that it's probably in Exactly. my 20s Like, Yeah, it's yeah. probably like it was it the Nancy Clark book, like the <laughs> oh, only book the that guide existed. to sport nutrition. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it might have been. yeah, It was like I don't a blue I don't know. and white, red. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably it. like I see that was the glory thing back then is like it was simple. You just like there was like Yeah. this one book that you caught, right? Yeah. She was very pro Yeah. orange juice, if I recall, though. Well, but I mean at I just. some point like keep it simple, right? Like have your orange juice before your workout, I guess, right? Like There you go. you could probably do worse Yeah. than that. Yeah. I just remember I started drinking a lot more water and eating a lot more tuna after eating that book. So. Right. <laughs> Yeah. I had a friend I saw her recently. I was like, oh my gosh, you look fantastic. What have you been doing? And she's like, I started drinking water. <laughs> It's like, whew. yeah, sometimes <laughs> so much like energetic. we were talking about the training basics, but yeah, sometimes it's just like the basics, basics of nutrition, drinking, like making sure you have a water bottle with you all day. is like, can go a long way to uh mood, feeling good, recovery, being alert, Mm-hmm. and yeah, being ready to train. So Mm-hmm. Exactly. yeah. Well, on that note, I feel like I need to go <laughs> hydrate now. Um, right. <laughs> thank you so much for <laughs> chatting. This has been awesome. well, I enjoy chatting to both of you as always. It's so much fun. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, you can check out my stuff over at theoutdooredit.com or by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly J. Herford. And you can check out Peter's coaching, training plans, blogs, all that fun stuff over at smartathlete.ca or by following him on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Glassford. And if you want to support this show and other awesome podcasts, please check out wideanglepodium.com for show info, other podcasts, bonus content, and to become a donating member, 
so you can get all of that rad behind the scenes content and help keep shows like this on the air. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the information that we're bringing to you every single week, uh, do us a solid and pop into iTunes to leave us a rating and review. It takes you about two seconds. You can do it on your computer. You can do it on your phone. And it really helps us out. Thanks so much. And we will see you next week. <laughs>